Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! Pistons down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk! Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Aaron Johnson hosting this week. In the absence of both Brennan Johnson and Ryan Pay, we're still trying to figure out our recording schedules as I've moved off to college, Brennan's begun classes, and Ryan's still doing all his things in life. But I do have a very special guest this week. I'm joined by Shamik Mohil. You can find him on Twitter at ShamShamMGod. He is the team writer for the B-Ball Index, a basketball website launching in the near future, and he is a co-host of a podcast named The Two Guys and a Goose Podcast. Sham, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. This intertwining has been a long time in the coming. We've talked about getting on the podcast together for quite some time, and I'm really glad yes. that we were finally able to do it. Yeah, it's been a long time. We actually did like a stream, what, like what, six months ago, seven months ago? Wasn't it last summer? I'm pretty sure it was. Was it last summer? Oh, I yeah. Think, when we played 2K? Yes, 2K. Yeah. I, I think it was like last summer. It's crazy. Yeah. So this is a long time coming. This is a year in the making. Yeah, well, I'm glad we can make it work. And it's August. Like, this is the worst month of the year to have a podcast regarding a, a at the NBA or a team in the NBA because there is just absolutely nothing going on right now. But we put some, some topics together, and we'll get rolling with them right off the bat. And this one, I, we've, we've hit on this a little bit on the podcast before, but I, I want to get your perspective on some of this since you haven't been on the pod yet. And uh, the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is the positional battle you're most looking forward to in training camp and why? I, I mean, this is probably the most obvious wanted and it's the it's the wing position at the uh the small forward or the shooting guard position whether they're gonna start reggie bullock at the two or the three and then based on where they put him who kind of backfills well if reggie bullock plays a three then is it going to be luke Kennard at the two or if reggie bullock plays the two is it going to be glenn robinson the third at the three or is it going to be stanley johnson getting another crack at the starting lineup so that is definitely probably the most interesting positional battle um, right now, but I think a dark horse would be like the backup center position because Zaza Pachulia and John Luer are both okay options as a backup center. Um, and John Luer just got hurt, and we'll see what he's like when he comes back. But I think that would be an important position going forward, especially in that bench unit, to see who actually fits best with Ish Smith and company. So, yeah, those are the two that I'm really looking – looking forward to in training camp and in the preseason and then as the season begins yeah for the sake of being different from the answer i anticipated you giving which was the wing spot i was going to talk about the backup big man spots you know power forward and center you got three guys that can play uh, those positions in john lure henry ellenson and zaza pachulia pachulia is just a backup center if he has a role on this team uh lure could probably play some center henry ellenson might be able to play some center. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I'm not high on Henry Ellenson whatsoever. Um, and I don't really trust John Lure to stay healthy. And I've also talked extensively about Zaza Pachulia just not having 
the skills to be effective in today's NBA anymore. Um, so I'm really worried about the position Detroit is in at those spots. I think it'll end up being Zaza Pachulia at the back of five just because of his experience, and that's literally the only position he can play. Uh, and I think they'll start the season with Henry Ellenson or John Luer playing the backup power forward spot. It depends if Luer's healthy. Um, I know Ellenson has, didn't play the greatest in Summer League, but the team has spoken so highly of him uh, since Dwayne Casey came aboard. You have to think that he's going to get a legitimate chance to see the floor. So um, I think it'll probably, if I had to lean towards one, I think they're going to try Henry Ellenson at power forward first just because of the way they've spoken about him. And I think Zaza will be the backup five. Um, and that kind of, that just, honestly, that really scares me because neither of those guys, I think, are good enough to play, you know, 16 to 20 minutes a game on a team that's trying to, as they've said, get home court advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, Henry Allenson is like, worlds away from being NBA ready on the defensive end. And that's kind of where my hesitation lies. I don't have any question that he's going to light it up offensively or, you know, hold his own on the offensive end. But defensively, he's he was looking bad in summer league both last year and this year. And if you're getting cooked by dudes that aren't – like half of them aren't even going to be in the league by October, how can you, you know – play meaningful minutes as a back of four on a on what is supposed to be a like a like a, like a top four or top five seed in the east so that's where my hesitation lies i also think that it would be interesting to see blake griffin at the center and then maybe like stanley johnson at the four because defensively he can hold his own and if they space the floor and run in transition and play great defense like they have maybe that would be an option especially when john lure is out they can try that in the preseason and whatnot but yeah it's there's definitely a hole that Anthony Tolliver left when you know he uh, signed in Minnesota. So, yeah, we're really going to feel that, in my opinion, next year. Yeah, that's something that I, I talked about on last week's podcast was the potential for Stanley Johnson to play some small ball power forward. Um, we talked about Blake Griffin playing some center. Uh, so that was something that we had mentioned. And I think that I would, I would one, I'd be definitely okay with seeing Detroit try that. And, two, I think it would have more success than a traditional – you know, Allenson and Pachulia, uh, or Lure and Pachulia, or Allenson and Lure pairing in the front court, just because I just don't think those guys are contributors anymore or, or ever. Um, so that's where I'm at with that, and that leads me into my next question, which is if you were Dwayne Casey and you had to come up with the rotations and the lineups, the starting lineup and your your backup rotation on opening night against the Brooklyn Nets, what would your starting lineup look like? Now, I'm in the minority. I am, you know, I, I feel like I've thrown this lineup out there and everybody has told me that I'm wrong and, it like, it won't work. But in my opinion, the best lineup, both offensively and defensively, would be Reggie Jackson at the point guard position, Luke Kennard at the two, Reggie Bullock at the three, Blake Griffin at the four, and Drummond at the five. And the reason why people kind of come back at me is because they don't believe Reggie Bullock can play the three. But um, I he's he's almost six foot eight. He's a lanky defender. He was probably one of the best wing defenders that the Pistons had last season. So I think he could hold his own um, in you know those, those like twenty to thirty minutes starting you know starting minutes against like you know threes. Obviously, if you have a three that's 
extremely strong and fast. I don't think Reggie Bullock could hold his own. That's probably when you you put Stanley Johnson for a lot of minutes. But I'm just a firm believer that Reggie Bullock can play the two or the three at a high level, and I think it's worth a shot because Luke Kennard, when given the opportunities and the minutes, he has been awesome. I mean, he's I like put a tweet out. It was like the the people who have had Luke Kennard's splits and points per game uh, their rookie season are Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Anthony Morrow, and then Luke Kennard, the only four people in NBA history. So I think when given the opportunity, I think he could definitely light it up. And he's also not as bad as I had originally thought defensively either. So I think it's worth a shot to put him in the starting lineup. Well, if it makes you feel any better, we are in the same minority. I came around on that lineup probably a month or so ago. Um, I've been watching a lot of uh, Luke Kennard lately just because I'm in desperate need of basketball and because I need to see what type of young talent Detroit has on this roster. And Luke Kennard is a guy that his potential is outstanding. Like This guy can really be something special in the league. Not a superstar like Donovan Mitchell may become, but he can be a very good shooter and a very good player on a good basketball team. I think that Reggie Bullock will play the three just fine. According to B-Ball reference, last season he played 45% of his minutes at small forward. Uh, The other 55% came at shooting guard. So he spent, I would say, looking at these this minute breakdown uh, per basketball reference, he's played most of his minutes in his career, or over half of his minutes in in, in his career, at the small forward spot. So I think he's going to fit in at small forward just fine. I don't know why there is um, a belief that he can't do that because that's what he's done for the majority of his career. And last season, you know, he did it while having his breakout season. Um so I think that that pairing fits very well because I think you want Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock out there with Blake Griffin. Those three guys played well together when they shared the court. You get that added floor spacing with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond in the pick and roll or with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond in the pick and roll. So you're maximizing your floor spacing. Another thing is you're alleviating pressure off of Reggie Jackson. And this is a big thing for me because... It's imperative that Reggie Jackson plays 65, 70 games this season if the Pistons want to do anything worthwhile. And one way you can help keep him healthy is to lower his workload. And how do you lower his workload? Keep him from handling the basketball too much. Keep the pressure off of him. Having Luke Kennard out there and having Blake Griffin out there, having a little bit of Stanley Johnson out there, those are guys that can handle the basketball and alleviate some of that pressure off of him. So Jackson can still he can still work off the ball. He can still have the ball in his hands, but he's not having to handle the basketball for 18 seconds of the shot clock. These other guys can initiate the offense and give Jackson a couple plays off here and there um, and give the Pistons some different looks and some different uh, positions. Um, excuse me, I'm losing my words here, Uh, some different mismatches against defenses with a guy like Blake Griffin who at 6'9 can handle the basketball like a guard. Um, How he can do that against a defense in a new system could really open up the way Detroit plays. Um, So I think that would be the best lineup for those reasons that I just mentioned. And 
anything else on that topic? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of branch off what you're saying, like I think I think what should happen more often is kind of what Stan Van Gundy initiated last year, where they had more of like a motion offense, like dribble handoff offense, and I think Reggie Jackson, for the most part, should just bring the ball up the court and then either st- like initiate the pick and roll or, or hand it off to Blake Griffin and let him distribute and you know see the floor because. We all saw last year how great Blake Griffin was at finding teammates and cutting, you know, finding teammates off cuts and and working from the post. And and I think that would be a really valuable, um, you know, uh, play style to go forward with. And there was a stat somewhere on Twitter, but Blake like Blake Griffin and Reggie Bullock had like the best percentage or something like that. They were they were very effective with passes out of the post, and Reggie Bullock was one of the the the, the primary beneficiaries of that. Uh, of that movement so I think that would be a good like secondary option in terms of like ball handling and also we're talking about the starting lineup but I think also who you put in the starting lineup also affects the bench a lot and I like an Ish Smith Glenn Robinson the third Stanley Johnson like defensive like defensive minded big winged uh, you know transition basketball um, uh, bench so I I think I like that more than the, you know, than, you know, maybe putting Luke Kennard in there and having like a defensive liability or whatnot. Like, I just like Stanley Johnson and Glenn Robinson III on the floor together and just wrecking havoc in the wings. And then that makes the job on whoever plays center, whether it's Henry Allenson or, you know, Zaza, who aren't necessarily known as like defensive stalwarts, it takes the pressure off of them as well. So, yeah, I, I like, I like Bullock as a starter. I like Kennard as a starter. So, that's where I lie. Yeah, and the thing you can do with the bench is there's still a guy named Langston Galloway on the roster. I, I, yes. I have found myself forgetting that like multiple times this offseason. Or you could throw in a guy like Kyrie Thomas or Bruce Brown. And you could mm-hmm. go with Ishmith. You can go with one of Galloway, Brown, or Thomas. And then you can go Glenn Robinson the third, Stanley Johnson at the four, and then either Lure or Zaza or Henry at the five. And you can or go, go Blake the five, or yeah, and you could, or you could stagger Blake and Drummond, and you could go smaller. You could run the floor. You could be more athletic in that stance because you have Glenn Stanley and Blake on the court together, and you can really run the floor, spread the floor with Galloway and with Robinson, and if Griffin's in, and allow Stanley Johnson to kind of work his way with the ball a little bit more, let him initiate some of that secondary offense. Um, him and Blake Griffin had. A, a two point a, a plus two point net rating when they shared the court, so those guys mesh well together. I know I don't have the numbers pulled up for this season between the two, but I know Stanley Johnson and Ishmith in the 2016-17 season were very good on the court together. So find lineups that are going to maximize the players that are, are most necessary to this team. You know, even if Stanley Johnson doesn't start. He's still very important to this team, and he yes. could be in a position to where next year he has to start because Reggie Bullock's an unrestricted free agent, and if Detroit wants to re-sign him, they're going to have to go into the luxury tax unless something happens this season where they clear a bunch of cap space. So you still need to invest in Stanley Johnson. Uh, so put Stanley Johnson in that position to succeed in the second unit. Give him a bigger role in that second unit, and I think we saw that a little bit last year when he did get put to the bench for... Uh, some stretch of games, he came in the in with the second unit and he thrived handling the ball more, initiating the offense, running pick and rolls. Um, he, 
it, it just worked for him. So I kind of I'm buying into uh, as I as I talk more about it, I'm really buying into Stanley Johnson at power forward because I don't think Detroit has an actual power forward on this roster that a back as a backup that can play well enough. And with Detroit's depth on the wing, I think uh, you can make it work with if you start Kennard and Bullock having. Glenn Robinson play the three, and having Stanley play the four, and then either get Langston or get Bruce Brown or get Kyrie Thomas in at the two. Absolutely, and 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 actually, that like you bring up a good point. Like, you know, next year Reggie Bullock was is probably going to be looking for some sort of payday, and actually, so will Stanley Johnson. So I, I think the Pistons will be in a very interesting situation that you know next summer where they they essentially have to choose between Reggie Bullock or Stanley Johnson, and this will be an important year for both to kind of prove their worth to the team and they're both are very valuable but you know right now I, you know I'm I'm probably lower on Stanley Johnson than most um, so I, I would probably pick Bullock over him but I agree they, they both are imperative to the success of this team so yeah I think if you would have asked me two three months ago uh, who should be the starting small forward for the Pistons next season within a couple tenths of a second I would have said Stanley Johnson. I have consistently been very high on Stanley Johnson and his potential. I've stated multiple times that I think last season he struggled because of his injuries and his misdiagnosis with injuries. And actually, that brings up a question that I want to ask you here in in a follow-up. But I was very adamant that I think the injuries and the other injuries he occurred after getting injured initially in the season messed up his entire year because when he was healthy he played pretty well um so i was adamant on stanley johnson and i'm still am to a, a certain extent adamant that stanley johnson can still be a successful player in this league um but i think luke Kennard has just risen up my rankings of as a, a guy that can really do something in the nba um but the question i want to now pose to you is detroit pretty much cleared out their entire training staff. Um, I don't remember if they brought in anyone officially yet, but... Arnie Kander. Right, Arnie Kander's that consultant role right now, but I believe he's trying to find a lead athletic trainer. But I know you have a pretty big um, background in medical stuff, so why don't you talk about, and I I believe you wrote about this too, uh, the medical mishaps that the Pistons had that last season with, with John Ishup as the head trainer. Yeah, so if you remember, you know, if you go back to like the 2012 through 2013, 2014 seasons of the New Orleans Pelicans where everybody was perpetually injured and the team could never really achieve its full potential because everybody was perpetually injured. Every big man that they had had some sort of injury. There was lingering injuries and whatnot, this and that. Well, John Ishab was the was the head trainer there as well. And then he came to Detroit and honestly – this could just be luck. This could be the way that it's, you know he operates his his training staff. We'll never know. We don't know the insides of you know the inner workings of the of the you know training staff. But it is a bit peculiar that one the Pistons have traded for for players like Reggie Jackson who have debilitating injuries and and chronic injuries that you know honestly the Thunder are probably you know rejoicing that they don't have Reggie Jackson on their team because. You know, if you look at the way he's performed in the past two or three seasons, he's been injured and he hasn't been able to contribute at the level that he's really being paid for. So 
that's strike one on John Ishib. He he okayed that trade. He said, hey, you know, this guy isn't that bad. We can make it work. And it did for it it, it did for one season, but you know, you know how it is. And then if you remember the last year of KCP in Detroit, he he played very very well. I think for about a third of the season, and then he hurt his shoulder. And ever since then, his production dropped significantly. And so, this is all. This also falls on the training staff, where you're not getting your player back up to full strength in order to to perform at the level that he once did. And then another example: Avery Bradley with the groin. He had this lingering groin issue all throughout the winter, all through Christmas, and then he ended up playing like 30. Three or thirty-four minutes one night after some game, and in the post-game uh, interview, he said that, "Oh, I think I'm going to see a second opinion for my groin." Well, if you if you're playing thirty-plus minutes a game, you you expect to be fully healthy, and this is on John Ishup to you know evaluate the players, evaluate their health, evaluate to see whether they're actually capable of playing thirty minutes a game. And you know what? Avery Bradley was out like the majority of the rest of that year because of his groin injury. So. It's just very peculiar that all of these things, it's, it's, it's a pattern of things. The, the whole John Luer injury last year with the ankle, supposed to be gone for three weeks, ended up being gone for the whole season. It's just very, very strange that these things are, seem to be a recurring theme. Stanley Johnson as well with the hip. So I think the Pistons are now better off without him at the helm. Arnie Kander brings an old but fresh perspective to this, this team. And I think, I think based on their hires in the front office, geared towards analytics and, you know, stats heavy and being kind of being more cutting edge. I think that will kind of seep into the, the medical staff as well, where they'll start to hire people who have, you know, some fresh perspective on, on health and, uh, and recovery and rehab. So I think, I think this is a really good move for all parties involved. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to a healthy, healthy year especially when health is of the utmost importance with this team that was great that was great yeah i'm i'm confident that arnie kander and the rest of detroit front office after what they've done this offseason will continue to head in the right direction and make the right hire um but i'm glad that they made the the necessary move to get rid of john ishup just because like detroit's in, they have to win. They're paying Blake Griffin. They're paying Reggie Jackson. They're paying Andre Drummond. They have to win ball games. They have to stay healthy to do that. And John Bishop wasn't doing a good enough job of keeping players healthy and rehabilitating players so that when they return, they stayed healthy. So uh-huh. I'm I'm very satisfied with the move. I wanted to talk about something on a lighter note that happened on Tuesday night. On Comedy Central, it was the Jeff Ross versus Blake Griffin roast battle. I know you told me before we got on that you did not watch it live, but you did see some clips of it. And overall, just what were your thoughts on last night? I I think this is awesome because it, I mean, when's the last time a Detroit star has been on like national television, right? been in the national spotlight? This is awesome for our team, and. I think Blake Griffin, I mean, besides the the immense talent that he brings to the Pistons, I think he also brings a sense of popularity and, you know, just national recognition to this team. Now we have, like, a recognizable star and a recognizable, you know, a face for our franchise. Whether you agree that he is a star or not, that's a different story, but he is the, the most prestigious Piston since probably Grant Hill. To, to be on this team and be in the national spotlight and be 
you know, that kind of star in, in more ways, you know, off the court than on, you know? This is great. I, like you said, like, when was the last time a Detroit Piston was on national TV and then and, and something other than an NBA game, which right. they aren't on very much anyways? So it was great to see Blake out there. I thought some of his jokes to Jeff Ross were great. I thought some of very Jeff's fine. jokes to Blake were great. Um, I sat up and I watched this. I thought it was really funny. I posted one clip on my Twitter. Um, Blake said something about him and Jeff Ross both getting uh, to stay PG here, both getting messed up by the Clippers. So you can go over to my Twitter if you want to watch that clip. I'm sure you can find the entire thing on YouTube or something like that. But it's not very long. It's probably like a 10, 15-minute thing, and it's an enjoyable watch. Um, So definitely check that out. It was really funny. Um, But moving on here, one question that I think, I mean, I don't know. It could kind of go either way. It could really go from... A good thing to a bad thing here is how many All-Stars are on this Detroit Pistons roster in the Eastern Conference? Um, the Eastern Conference pretty probably a little bit weaker this year after losing LeBron James, but they did gain Kawhi Leonard. Um, who is an All-Star on this Pistons roster this upcoming season? So let me preface this by saying that I do not put any weight whatsoever in all-star selections or nominations or whatever. I, I'm of the opinion that it's more or less a popularity contest. So if somebody ever throws on, on Twitter at me like, oh, he was a five-time all-star, I, I don't really consider that because, yeah, it's just a popularity contest. No matter how good you are, even if there are people who are better than you, they, like you'll be an all-star if you're popular. So that's where I lie on that first. But second of all, I, I think the Pistons have – at least one, maybe two All Stars, but I'm 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 probably gonna gonna stick to one, and I, I think that's gonna be Blake Griffin. Okay, I think I'm gonna give them two. I'm gonna go with Blake Griffin, and I'm gonna go with Andre Drummond, assuming both can stay healthy. Um, I think with Kristaps Porzingis still being hurt, um, you know, I think both Drummond and Griffin are better than. Or have a better shot of making um, the All-Star team than someone like Jason Tatum. Uh, I know he didn't make it last year, but he's a guy that is being talked about as one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, t- top 15 to 20 players in the Eastern Conference after such a great playoff performance and him being so young. Um, do guys like John Wall stay healthy? Uh, do guys like Kyle or Kevin Love stay healthy? He missed uh, the All-Star game last year after originally being selected because he got hurt. Um, and I, you get Gordon Hayward back, you get Kyrie Irving back. Those are two guys that can compete for all-star spots. Um, I think I'm going to go with two because I think both those players can do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if just one of them made it. But I think, I think there's a legitimate shot that they both can do it. Here's my issue with, with Drummond being an all-star. And it's, it's kind of the same issue that happened last year where, the way the voting is is it's two guards, two forwards, and a center, right? So with Blake Griffin at the forward spot, you have two, you have basically more chances to be an all-star because you have you have you know either forward spot. But with Drummond being a strictly a center, he has to compete with other centers in the East. And Joel Embiid, I think you and I can both agree, if he stays healthy, he's an all-star, right? Y- yep, absolutely. And Al Horford, if he's on a winning team and he also stays healthy, just like last year, he'll probably also be an all-star. So then that leaves that third spot, and 
I was just just kind of fumbling through the uh, through the uh, the All Star rosters, and I, I believe Andre Drummond was was he like an injury replacement? He, he was. He, he was. Right. So I think that's probably the only way that he gets in because I think the two centers in the East are going to be Embiid and Orford, and then depending on how good and you're you're probably going to laugh at this, but depending on how good Dwight Howard is in, oh, in come Washington. On. <laughs> I know, I know, but if he's good and he kind of has a resurgent, like, you know, year, he, he plays really well, the Wizards start winning, he's a popular guy that could end up getting a center spot over Drummond as well, because, like it or not, Detroit is a very small market, and we don't really get the national recognition that we deserve, um, but Washington is a bigger market, and if Dwight Howard is there, and he's, an, he's a recognizable name, who knows, you know? Yeah, I think my only thing with Al Horford is that with Irving and Hayward being back and Tatum probably want or getting a slighter, bigger role than he had last year, at least offensively, I think Horford's numbers may drop enough to where he's not going to make the All-Star team. But, I mean, in the end, like you said, it doesn't really matter because All-Star selections are pretty much a popularity contest nowadays. So, uh but I thought it was necessary to discuss just because I know that when that time comes around next season, it's going to be, you know, Pistons fans will go insane if they only get one or one all-star in. You know, they're going to say, oh, we're paying both of them max money and neither of them or only one of them got in the all-star game. You know, blow the team up, stuff like that. Sure. Let me ask you a follow-up question. So if, if Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are like the, like the one and two for the Pistons to potentially be all-stars, who's number three? Oh God! Who's that dark horse? <sighs> I'm not going to say Reggie Jackson because he just, I just can't because of his health issues, and because the point guard spot you have Kyrie Irving, you have John Wall. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, I'm going to say Luke Kennard. I'm going to say Luke Kennard because it's. I just think if. Based off potential, I think he's got the highest potential left on this roster. And I don't foresee anyone else being even slightly good enough to become recon- become recognized as even somewhat of an all-star. Um, I don't think Kennard will do it either, but I guess if I had to pick, it would be Kennard or Bullock. All right, I feel you there. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to go Reggie Jackson only because... I think in order to put up like all-star numbers, you need to have like a high usage, and I don't think Kennard nor Bullock will have a high enough usage to to put up like twenty points per game or something crazy like that. So, yeah, that's I <laughs> Reggie Jackson would be like a very very distant third. <laughs> if Reggie Jackson makes the all-star team, I never want to hear him slandered once again. Like he, he never again, because I went I've gone to bat for for Reggie Jackson. And everyone says he's overpaid, making $16 million a year. He makes the All-Star team. I do not want to hear it anymore. Agreed. All right, well, that is all we got for today's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Before we wrap up, want to throw some plugs out there. First off, you can follow our guest on Twitter at Sham, Sham, M. God. That's two Sham, 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 M. God. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at a Johnson NBA. You can follow Palace of Pistons on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. You can follow us on Instagram at Palace Pistons. Our website, please check it out. Got good content coming. Been a little slow here in the month of August, but uh, content will definitely start picking back up soon. Palace of Pistons.com is our website. 
Please subscribe, rate, rate, and review to us on iTunes. That always helps out a lot. And I want to give a big thank you to Shamik Mohil for joining me on the Palace of Pistons podcast today. Sham, thanks so much, man. Yeah, man, pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. All right, well, guys, that's going to do it. We'll see you next week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast, and have a good week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.